we're on. We're on. Afternoon. Good afternoon, Jeff. Afternoon, Paul. Welcome to the tap house, the urban tap house. And we've we've crossed the bridge from from Loco. Yeah, we're uh, we're in Cardiff, sunny Cardiff, just opposite the what's now the Principality Stadium. It's been renamed. Okay. Yes, on West. I think we are on Westgate Street. So yes, we're. Uh, We've travelled a distance again, not again, not by accident, by deliberately. But, uh, here we are, and today we are joined again by Mr. <laughs> Nigel Baker. Hello. <laughs> Hello, everyone. All Good right. to be back. I'm particularly enjoying the music. Cheers. Cheers. What are you drinking today? Nigel bought this. What did you buy me, Nigel? Hogan's cider. Hogan's. Hogan's. Hulk Hogan cider. What are you going to do when the side of one's brother on you? Brother. She call you brother now. Brother. For the rest of the yeah. Very good. And Jeff, what, what's Jeff, Jeff drinking? I've gone for a, a recommendation. There's so much to choose from. I, I, I can't cope with that much choice. So I asked the barmaid for a recommendation. She went for something called In and Around the Mouth. <laughs> really? There we are, ladies and gentlemen. I'll have to... Uh, some clever editing around that name. Just that this is not an X-rated pub podcast by any stretch. No joke. It's called Inner and It's a 6.1% IPA. It's got a kind of Rolling Stones motif about it. it and is it indeed in and around the mouth? Well, it's in at the moment, but the way it's going, that's strong. It'll be probably all over the place at some point. <laughs> oh dear. What percentage? 6.1. That is quite a percentage. For, for the first one of the day. It's yeah. impressive, and it's a lunchtime, so yeah, it's good to be. If you're going to rate that on a serious agility scale, that's like extreme programming. You know, it's a real serious shit. <laughs> so uh, today we thought we'd um, a bit of a chat around with Jeff, find out some. Well, we had a few questions. Twitter questions, didn't we? Yeah, a couple of people who listen asked uh, asked for us to discuss a couple of topics. We had too many to, to be able to discuss today, but we've certainly got a couple. We can have a. Go on, Jeff. What's, what's, the first, what's top of the list? Well, the first one, the first one that came in was: Is Scrum a methodology or is it a framework? <laughs> Which might sound, on the face of it, a, a pedantic question. What, what's? Why do we need to differentiate that? But uh, maybe there's something deeper to it. Is that a question? Beer so, as, as a, is that a question that you guys get a lot in your really. travels? Never. Not really? Never. I used Never. to. I mean, we used to. I remember you used to get asked this question. It's just another methodology. So it's not a methodology, it's a framework. Um, I don't know. It's usually a response I think I give to people when they're asking for a definitive, if that makes yeah. sense. It's, for me, I just don't think there's enough non-negotiables for it to be a methodology. Yeah. I would say. I don't think it's broad enough, I don't think it's deep enough. It, it, it's the first thing I mention when I do course. It's not a methodology. I say it, it doesn't tell you how to do lots of stuff, and that's deliberate, you know. It's because there are many ways, good ways of doing stuff. Mm. It gives you a structure to find good ways of doing stuff. I think some people find stuff. that disappointing. I think some, some oh, yeah. people want it to be that. They yeah. want it to be more than it is. They, they, want, they, want the, they want the methodology to do the thinking, and they yeah. can just turn the handle. And it's not that. It just gives you a framework to metaphorically yeah. turn your own handle. Yeah. So yeah, it's definitely a framework. I would even say it's a meta framework. So it's in exactly that, it's a framework of frameworks. There can be lots of different. If it's a framework, you can you can implement it in different ways. So there can be yeah. lots of different types of scrum. Yeah, there is. Estimation. I'm not, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Ken Schwaber would agree with that. 
Well, you've even Ken writes in his books about it being a framework, yeah. being a method to inspect and adapt your practices to improve your practices. So you would not expect one size fits all practices. So um, it all depends on what what is Scrum in reality. So Scrum is a framework, but I always feel that in Scrum there's a lot of there's a little bit of DNA of implementation in there. Some stuff is actually more method methodology than framework. Um, estimation. Uh, estimating your work. Should you estimate your backlog items? Okay. Yeah? No? It depends. Now, if you talk to Ken, he would say, yep, yeah, estimate it all. It's estimated. You know, back in the day, he would have said, it's estimated for hours. You know, um, uh, these days, I think, I like estimation, I do it, but I can understand there'll be situations where it won't be that valid and it won't offer the, the return on investment it could do. So, things like that, I think, form a cusp of framework stroke um, implementation method. It's safer framework. No. Safe, scaled, agile framework. It's not scaled, it's not agile, it's not a framework. Apart from that. So what's, what, what makes Scrum a framework but not safe? Um, safe's got far too much implementation detail in there. It's got far too much, for me anyway, far too much implementation DNA from previous implementations where best practice has been taken from. And whilst that may suit this, the original the originators, it may not suit everyone in every situation. So I think they've got to be. I think Safe has got far too much craft. Uh, craft. Yeah, too much like junk DNA. You know, um, uh, mechanics, uh, stuff that's not appropriate for everyone. It's complexity. It's, it's adding too much complexity. I think. Mean. Do you use that, is that word in your lexicon? What? Craft? No. I thought it was something to do with you, dogs. You taught me a new word today as well. Ditsy. Dimpsy. Dimpsy. Okay. That's, that must be a West Country thing. Isn't it? Dimpsy. Well, I'm from the West Country, and I don't know. Well, maybe it's a Devonshire thing. But when when the light is diminishing, when you can't see well, it's Dimpsy. Okay. I never heard that. Please, if you, if you know that word and use it, could you please tweet Paul on at Paul K Goddard and tell him where you're from, so we can find out whether it is indeed a Devonshire word. Oh, oh. Goddard word, Dimpsy. or whether more Hashtag Dimpsy. Dimpsy Croft. I wouldn't, I don't know but how to spell it. a common word. Croft is, you know, like excess, like bits and pieces. See, it's a common word for you, but Dimpsy's a common word for Paul, but neither of them are common for me, so... It's a shame, it's a shame. <laughs> Things don't get up to Cheltenham too Every day's a school day. Mm. Uh, sorry, just to wrap up what I was saying, so... <laughs> so things like Safe have got a lot of Croft. Uh, or excess baggage or whatever you want to call it like um, just bits of flake you know like um, little bits of fleck you know whatever you want to call it but bits on the outside that shouldn't be there like fleck on a jumper um, such as like, examples because I'm not oh, an expert uh, the, the architect stuff the the um, release train stuff I mean there I think uh, one size fits all doesn't work but scrum I think has a little and I, some I, people say, say I think scrum's put too you know but that's the last stuff they say scrum isn't scrum velocity story points user stories no but even things like well like um, you know the product owner does this the product owner doesn't do that product owner the scrum master does this scrum master doesn't do that yeah. and so th this is my big thing in terms of um, what I talk about in terms of that uh, presentation I do I've done that what uncertainty presentation that there's areas of great flex where there should be great flex there's areas where people flex which they shouldn't like you were discussing yeah. what characters and scrum masters do that's when it becomes chaotic or anarchic or homeopathic so water down to be useless but there's also some areas where perhaps people like Ken would suggest more discipline than actually is needed I don't know but I think that's a constantly evolving conversation um, things like less seem to have well less of that but they still have it you know 
um, I saw Craig Strong put out a tweet for the Agile Practitioners Group, some sort of poll they were doing on scaling. Does, do these scaling methods help you, yes or no? Okay. So a deep poll, um, but it seemed to be that a lot of people weren't finding value from them. And so I think that's wrapped up with those extra implementation details. So long story short, wobble in the right places is good, wobble in the wrong places is bad. And there's going to be too much craft in some stuff. We're heading over to Dictionary Corner now. So yes, just to Susie clarify, yeah. the, the definition of framework, according to Google, um, is a noun, uh, an essential supporting structure of a building, vehicle, or object, or uh, a basic structure underlying a system, concept, or text. Okay. Seems pretty reasonable. Yeah, which was serious. So I heard um, my good friend, Jem, Jem Jahal, talking about this. He talks, in, in his training, he talks about his grandfather is a gardener. Yeah. And he, he uses the, the metaphor of the scrum framework is like the trellis, is, is yeah. the trellis you provide to a plant to allow it to grow. Yeah. You don't know how it's going to grow, you don't yeah. know necessarily the exact direction it's going to yeah. grow, but the trellis yeah. gives it the support structure to bear yeah. fruit. Yeah. Now you've used different trellises in different contexts for different fruits, and you adjust the trellis as you need to, but yeah. it's still yeah. very much there, which I kind of liked. Yeah. I just want to look at nice metaphor, nice metaphor. Mm. I think there's there's far too much architecture metaphors in what we do and far too few gardening metaphors. <laughs> I think gardening is I mean, far gardening, better. Gardening is probably the, the, the most common metaphor. One of the better ones that, right? I, that I hear in regards to Agile. From people who do it. Yeah. But from the people who are consequently out there trying to understand. Because I don't like gardening. It's my problem. I hate I've, gardening. I've got into it. I hate it. I hated it, but I got into it a little bit. Um, I find there are certain things I needed to have. One is ownership. Um, so I live in a rented house, and I probably shouldn't have on the podcast, but I don't own the garden. That makes me not feel as much ownership of it. Um, when, but some of the plants we've got, some of the potted plants, we've got some little, what do you call raised beds, and they're ours, and I feel a lot more connection with those. And going from nothing to something. Um, my wife's been growing avocados, actually, mm. from avocado, well, seeds, or whatever it's called, the stone, actually growing those into avocado plants. And it's quite an impressive sight to see. And I feel more communion with those plants. If she doesn't water them, I give them a little water. Um, I feel more communion with them because I've seen them go from I've owned the entire experience or feel part of the entire experience. If we just buy plants at the plant centre, it's a little bit mercenary. Oh, here's an olive tree. I just died. Oh, well. So I think there's something about ownership there from the start. There's also um, about buying. Well, with all these metaphors, all models are wrong. Just walking and them. So, in contrast, yeah. a methodology is a system of methods used in a particular area of a study or activity, which is so that sums it up quite nicely because in Scrum, really, there's no method as far as I'm, I'm trying to think. It's the scientific method, but there's no a method to me is something you do an experiment. It yeah. gives you to re reenact these are the steps I went through to get the end result. But Scrum doesn't do that, yeah, right? Yeah, you're right. Really? You're saying that That's Scrum, my interpretation Scrum says method. to experiment. It yes, doesn't tell you the how to run the experiment. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. So I disagree with that. Just, just uh, if for no other reason than to spark some debate. But the method there is, you don't know everything. Prioritise. Give yourself a goal to work towards. Pick the most important stuff within a period of time. Do something and get some feedback. That's a method. You repeat it. You do it again Or is that again a framework? Is that a framework? Is that a structure? Is that a repeatable well, structure? Well, you're getting confusing method with methodology. So that is, a, that is the scientific method, and we use the Scrum framework to implement it, but it's not a methodology where you do everything the same way again and again and again. 
thought you described there is like a, the scientific principle of one minute period of sperm. And, uh, and but there is an element of doing the same thing again and again, isn't it? You keep the, sprint, the, the team the same, you keep the sprint length the same, you keep all those different things. The vary, try and control the variables. Yeah, and, and then you just repeat that, you get better. So it could be said that you could actually split it into two parts then, Scrum. Scrum the actual framework itself, and then Scrum the underlying, um, I had to use the word methodology, but underlying principles, or under, like team size is a great one, or, or, or team stability, those are underlying patterns. It's almost like the environment, isn't it? It's almost like the conditions that you need yeah. in order for that to succeed, really. I just wonder if we had never come across the word methodology before, whether we would be trying so hard to differentiate it. Because we've had bad experiences with methodologies in the past. We don't want it to be like that. Well, I think also, but uh, yes, um, but also because the thing's moving towards methodology. So as more people come in, that can never think, they're trying to order it, make it repeatable, make it sellable, make it love up thinking, simplify, simplify, make it obvious. Mm. And so they're trying to methodologize it when that doesn't work in the art of software development. And so that's the issue in terms of coming back to that connecting thinking, the idea of complex thinking over and complicated, complex over obvious or simple. So it's also the fact that methodology hints towards those ordered worlds rather than the unordered world that we can often live in. Perhaps. So it's um it's not so much the word is tainted, is it the word taints? Does that make sense? Always. If you think that makes sense, please tweet Nigel or Nigel E. Baker on Twitter and tell him it makes sense because it sounded good in my head but I have a horrible thing. Are there any out. good examples or positive examples of methodology? Oh, loads, loads. I would just, um, the Industrial Revolution, I would suggest. Get things going from the act of craft to the act of repeatability and stuff. And tailorism and all this sort of thing. I think there's a great argument to make for that. The, the ordering of what was uh, inherently an art into a repeatable, automatable process is, is rather elegant and rather beautiful uh, in many worlds. And, and we've searched that in software for years. Maybe it will come. Well, I'm not saying it's impossible. But a lot of people have died on that hill. So, frankly, I think, I think and after this conversation, which has been good for me, I do generally think people overthink all this far too much. Yeah. Get some clever people together, give them some space, do some stuff, build the most important things, and they're there, you know. Yeah. Keep management away, mostly, even if they're lovely, generally, and you can just genuinely have a good, a good way of working. Yeah. I think sometimes, not to us, but <laughs> no, maybe us, but definitely people in our industry cannot overthink to a great extent. I, I also think it's a symptom of always wanting to see the problem rather than the looking for the, the solution. So people generally will see, yes, but what do I do in this circumstance? Yeah. So and they think that the answer to that is a methodology which gives them the answer. Yeah, yeah. So in the event of this yeah. happening, turn to page so and so to tell you this is, step, this is the step yeah. through for conflict yeah. resolution. Yeah. So yeah. what would a methodological answer be then to the question, can your product owner also be your scrum master? Well, so I hear many people say this, Scrum says no. What would a methodological answer be? Well, that would be the methodological That is the, the, the methodology is locked down, the thinking is done through by the methods. So in that, so in that instance, yeah. Scrum is a methodology. Which is what I was saying before, it's interesting, the actual framework is a high level structure to do that. But as long as, there, as long as there are definitives within, within the Scrum guide, or whatever that might be, I think people will view it as a, this is, that, that's, yeah. the, that's yeah. the response, don't question it. 
So that's important. And that, for me, that is that defines the methodology is where there's a specified solution yeah. that gives you an answer. And so, in terms of my presentation, Agile Kumru or Kumri, Kumru? I'll keep, I forget. We're in Cardiff. Which really Agile right. Cardiff. Just say um, Agile Cardiff. I did it. Um, Kumru is Wales, not Cardiff. Eh? Yes. I know, but it's easier to say <laughs> Cardiff than Wales than Kumri. Um, so I did it on with like widgets, things you can add, pivots, things you can change, but patterns as well, underlying performance patterns. And there's a lot of patterns in Scrum. And if you read some of Sutherland's original work, especially this work with Jens uh, Kuklin, there's a lot of, sort of using uh, high performance team patterns to create Scrum itself. And so I think that's where you could get a line of what's the pattern, what's the methodology. You know, my I always try and explain stuff. Well, especially these days, from rather than Scrum says the methodology is the answer. Mm. Okay, the underlying performance pattern is this, and this is why we do it. So Scrum says no, but Scrum's just a thing. You can't stop you doing anything. But here's the underlying anti-pattern that we're doing, and this is why it's a bad thing. So explain the reasoning behind it. And I think if a bit more people did that, and a bit less Scrum says X, Kanban says Y, or anything, that would be a little bit more um, inducive to buy-in from people, rather than just, here's a method you must follow. Mm. Uh, get, get the mindfulness back in, but that's difficult. That's difficult. Even though, it's Paul, as, as you say, Paul, that a lot of people are actually crying out for just give me, give me an answer. Exactly. Yeah, it's yeah. quick. Don't let me. I don't like. No, I don't have to think for myself. Yeah. And probably quite natural as a human being. It's not a bad a thing. Lot, yeah, no one likes that uncertainty, that ambiguity, yeah. that, that yeah. not knowing. Yeah. Uncertainty is scary. But the best implementations of agile generally come from teams that have worked it out for themselves. So why, in your opinion, then, do scrum masters and product owners not mix? Not mix. Yeah, why should they not be the same? But this is another question that we had. Yeah. So okay. To take Nigel's view of, well, this is why this is the thinking pattern. This is this is why this is good practice. This is why we recommend it. Maybe not go so far as to say rule, even if it is a rule. But this why? What was? What's the thinking behind it? Would you let Agus Alex Ferguson be a referee for Man United? No. Would you then be a referee for Liverpool? No. I think that's the issue. I think that the product owners are very committed, very empowered individuals. I know you've already said that all metaphors are wrong, but that, that's a very that, that's a very wrong metaphor in my opinion, because right. there's a massive conflict of interest there in terms of competition yeah. against others. Yeah. Whereas I don't think see the product owners are a competitor to the scrum team. No, but he's biased. Yeah, but everyone's biased. Yeah, but how biased is biased? And I think that, and also the perception of bias. So does it does it imply that there's um, a a hint? Again, this might just be by implication. Maybe my um, you know, I'm looking at this the wrong way, but by having an additional, the roles were created equally, weren't they? In terms of the, the three roles within the scrum. In terms, in terms of, they don't have equal authority. In terms of, well, they, they have equally. They're no balancing priority. roles. They're balancing. They have different responsibilities, but they balance each other out. But by giving one person more of those roles, does that imply they somehow supersede the other one? They can imply that. I'm saying I, I would feel confident of playing those two roles myself. How about that as a statement? Everyone feels confident about playing those two roles for themselves. That's why it's bad. Yeah, but I'm next. 
ever. I, I agree with you. I'm sure I could, but if you speak to people, I'm sure they say. But I, do, I also play the card. Is how, how then do you feel the other people in your team would 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 uh, view your role? Start just how you. Everyone believes that they can do their job, and probably more than their job. Darth Vader thinks he's a good guy. Fighting the evil Jedi, trying coup in the Republic, trying to knock him down. So it leaves me with Star Wars metaphors again. No, but the, the point that I think the point is is that no one is self-aware enough to be able to effectively facilitate as independently as they can, whilst being incredibly committed to the output of that facilitation. That's a very difficult place to put someone. And even if they could play it perfectly, which I believe is rare, um, to almost impossible, everyone else in the experience won't believe that. Like, football's not a good analogy, but to use it, a referee can't come from Manchester or Liverpool. Not because but professional referees are not going to be biased, you know. Even if they come from Manchester or Liverpool, they're not going to rule for Liverpool. But it's perceived bias. It's everyone in that crowd, everyone on that pitch believes you're from Liverpool. Of course, you're going to support them. And so there's that loaded that perception of bias assumption issue. But I think scrum masters are not independent enough anyway. Scrum master developers, I'm not a huge fan of. I think it puts them in a very awkward spot. I prefer independent facilitation. So what happens? <coughs> what happens if, if we do blur that line? Surely you... teams, just squish teams, I see. Teams that just grind along, methodologize it. You just lose focus. If you, surely as a, as a product owner, if you've also got to have a responsibility to facilitate and, you know, uh, to provide for teams, are you going to, you're going to have to give up some other element of your role to do just time-wise, yeah, just purely um, so the time element, but also the focus in terms of, of of spinning down one job before I pick up another one. So preparing for a, a sprint review or preparing for a um, a backlog creation session, whatever that might be, that's going to involve time that I can't be doing thinking how a product owner would be doing that, rather than how a scrum master would be doing. Are there any potential benefits? Have you just spotted you're being coached by the spots? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's very good at it. He's good at it. Benefits um, puts less stress in the organisation to find two people. It fits what about the, behavioural benefits? Well, if you could do it as a learning opportunity, if, if I had the organisational power, i.e. someone to hold an organisation together, to let them go through that learning journey, I think it would be a fantastic learning journey for everyone. You know, the team to discover what dodgy scrum looks like and feeling very squished. So when they get free, they feel, okay, wow, that's cool. And the person doing it to realise, though with good intents, can okay, lead down so a path of the madness. That, as, as a, I personally like the idea of running scrum but esque experiences for learning on the ground, but pulling that you're off You're assuming a, a lot an inevitable things. negative outcome there. But if you were to I'd put yourself in a position where suspend your disbelief, engage your naivety and say, well, maybe, maybe there's a positive outcome. Maybe this could actually, without failure, this could actually potentially be a good thing. Uh, can't imagine that? Well, I, yeah, I'd like anything like that. Yeah. I think what would that look like? What, what benefits would you see? I think you've, you've found a very good agile person in that one. I can't think of any benefits over and above if they were two people, if that makes sense. Apart from the cost saving. If, if, if a company views time, you know, manpower as a as a cost, then there's less people in a team. But I can't I can't see any other direct benefits. I can see one personally. benefit, but it's a lesser benefit of the loss, if that makes sense. In that um, it would probably encourage that 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 hybrid to not make such a mess of the product of the job. 
there's too many product owners out there. We know, we've said this a hundred times. BAs basically, writing all the requirements, doing all the analysis themselves. And that person would be so overloaded, they couldn't do that. So the Scrum team would have to pick some of that. Mm -hmm. So a, a half-assed product owner could actually do less damage in inverted commas than a fully-assed product owner would do it yeah. way. So I could see that. But I, it, 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 um, when I, years ago I did a survey using Carnot analysis. I, I sent a survey to thousands of people um, using Carnot analysis on Scrum and generally Agile. Right? Which bits do you like? Which bits are exciting? Which bits do you not care about? Um, but the most interesting ones for me, because I'm that type of person, is the reverse ones, which bits are bad, which bits you go, ugh, and when you don't do it, you feel good. I think it was like 85% of people who replied said Polyton and Scrum Master was the same person who was a dysfunction. It's the highest dysfunction beyond single-skilled Scrum teams, beyond not planning, <laughs> beyond anything. It was those two people merged. No, I lied. I lied. There was one that was similar, which was um, team members shared across teams. So context switching was the killer. That was the nightmare tonight. But the, and Polyton and Scrum Master, you make another case, as you said, is context switching as well. So those were the two good Surely people. So that's not what we were saying. That was people out there on the ground doing it, saying that's what they hated. Surely it's hard to be a, to be a Scrum Master when you're being responsible for deadlines and, and budgets and, you know, and that type of thing. When critical decisions have to be made and time, time critical decisions have to come about. Are you which which principles are you going to compromise first? Yeah. How do you how do you square that circle? Mm -hmm. Very hard. Yeah. Well, the first you thing could, I think you could do it, but you'd have to be diligent yeah. about yeah. asking, telling people that I'm, I'm telling you this as a product owner, or now I'm telling you this is a scrum. I'm asking you as a scrum. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So. That's the difference. Is I think the people out. I think confuses people. I think it confuses the team. I think I think people just find it hard, <laughs> difficult in the situation. Um, I've also been interested, just to throw things out. I think it's interesting to get audience participation since these are questions. What other experiences people have had of that if they wish to apply? That. Is there a comments section? In there? There's comments on SoundCloud. Yeah. I know that. Yeah. Per episode. Nobody's ever commented. So. Yeah. Who wants to be the first? <laughs> comments. We'll offer a prize of. Something. You can ask the next question. Yes. Or if you manage to track his date, we'll buy you a pint. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if you can track, if you can guess our next location, Munich. No, well, no, we'll be one before then. Oh. Where will it be? Nobody knows. So, any more questions, Steph? Then that because that was quite interesting. Because that took two questions in. It's interesting if you try and look at if you just we have always explored it as a negative. But how, what would you explore it? You, you, you get you get an you you, put, you put, get someone more rounded in their in their yeah. in the skill in the understanding. Of, you're probably more likely to get a, an all-round agile champion if there's a, if there's such a thing. I, I think Pushing on potential. well networked on both both sides of the industry. I mean, I, you know me, I'm, I'm ever the, 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 the happy, glass half full, happy, happy yeah. optimist, happy go lucky, carefree. And I think there's, there's potential for huge benefits. You know, the team have to step up, they have to have a more direct relationship, they have to call the product owner, scrum master, whatever you're going to call them, to account. But if yeah. someone says in a training course, Jeff, what should I do? Oh, no. <laughs> Don't do it. <laughs> It'll, it'll end in failure. Because, because no organisation, there aren't enough me to go around. Oh, <laughs> wow. But power's a difficult thing. Power corrupts, you know. You, power's asymmetric. It's like, it's all well and good to say, oh, this person's king, you must challenge the king. But what, it's what, hard to do in practice. How is power implied from having two roles within Scrum? Because you not only have the ability have power. Yeah, product has power to decide what to be built, but then be able to facilitate that conversation. So we're saying well. that the Scrum has less power? Yeah. Well, and by power, putting that in that 
different, yeah, different, different power. I would but say. you could look at it the other way, which is that actually by giving them the scrum yeah. master to, to roll, it actually dilutes that power. Uh, it rains them back in. In order for them to do that, they have to be conscious of another point of view, another perspective, which could rain them back in. I mean, I agree. In practice, in reality, it's highly unlikely to happen. And it wouldn't be worth the risk because it would fail more often than it succeeds. But I think that the principle behind it is is worth exploring. I just think my last one is that just anecdote is not a good example of data, and personal experience I think is not also. But in my personal experience of product and scrum masters out there, I meet quite a lot who aren't as self-aware as I would like about the situation. You know, oh, it's all it's all, all hunky dory here. Everything's it's for you. Yeah. Everything's fine for you. You're having a great. It's a great job. Scrum master product and combined together is a wonderful role. I would enjoy it. I'm not sure my team would enjoy it. Is there a risk as well that? when that person isn't there, there's a more critical um, point of failure in the team. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. I just, yeah I in terms that, of that person well, has so much knowledge. Yes, so in the short term, but if, if the team has stepped up and they have started thinking a little bit more for themselves because they haven't got someone protecting them and looking after them and like a scrum master would from the evil product owner, they're more mature, they're more self-governing, they're more self-confident, then maybe they won't miss that person. There's a lot of this to that. Yeah, sure. But what do you want? You know, do you, I see that, uh, I've said this time and time again, that Scrum Master role to me is a, is a halfway house. It's not where you want to end up. I don't think you need to end up there. Yeah, My Nirvana is a self-organising team interacting directly with the product owner. What happens with the product owner isn't there? then they know enough about what's going on to be able to make some educated decisions about the short term. Because I think, they, again, this is one of the things... No team needs a product owner there 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, does it? No. Doesn't Scrum suggest that in... Again, this is a, maybe a bit methodological, if that's the word. Yes. Um, but when the product owner isn't there, the Scrum Master assumes their responsibility. That was a isn't? long time ago. I know, but this is... Far, far away. But I this think is, it's been superseded, I think. Has it? Why I what? Or just Ken's later writings and guides, etc. I don't think they've replaced it No, I don't, no, there's, there's, I don't think there's an answer. I think that advice has been deleted, though. I think the, the, the Scrum Master is proxy product owner in a temporary situation. I don't think he's actually. See, unless, he, unless he actually reduced, well, not reduced, what's the word, revoked, and that's probably not the right word either, but actually deleted all of the previous copies of his. That's out there now. Yeah, out, but, yeah. yeah, but that's, that's the issue, isn't that? Uh, this be very dodgy. You may want to delete this. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I read in Islam the, with the Quran. No, Ooh. listen. No, this is really interesting. The Quran. There's, there's this thing, like, abrogation or something where le- later verses have more weight than earlier verses. As Muhammad was revealed more by the angels, etc., it becomes more uh, more knowledge came forth, and some later verses sort of supersede earlier verses. And but I don't think it deletes them. It just says, "Hey, here's later thinking on that subject." But it's very hard to unlearn what you've read, isn't it? Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's not a good thing. But I'm pretty sure that's been unlearn what you've learned. I think. I think if you speak. Though Ken is not the whole sole answer on Scrum. I think if you spoke to about that, he would probably not support that. I don't know. Because that's not right there, Pogton is quite soft. He still thinks I'm called Nigel, so... Everyone. There's <laughs> <laughs> a story behind that. I said when I got my scrum trainer, um, they played, um, they, I got the certificate and that, they said they played on their laptop, um, the Rebel uh, March from Star Wars. When you got your uh, badge? My, my badge, and, um, and Ken said, oh, I, I saw this when it first came out, uh, Star Wars in the cinema. And I said, Ken, I wasn't even born when it first came out. 
he was he, I think he told me to fuck off, right? Um, <laughs> something like that. Some, some words goes that way. Um, some words that, that way. What's the next question? Uh, the next one, although not necessarily in order, but I think it's related given the fact that uh, it said how positive minded I am and how uh, optimistic about you the future. You always the optimism of Yeah. Uh, is, is how do you how do you avoid agile fatigue? How do you let, avoid cynicism creeping in if agile is taking a long time to establish within your organisation? This obviously comes from somebody who's in a very big organisation that takes a long time for that culture to change and embed, and often it, you know, a few steps forward, a few steps back, a few steps forward, a few te- steps back. Nothing happens for a long time. One step forward, two steps back. Hasn't there got to be overall though more steps forward than there are steps back? I think for me, yeah. Yeah, but I, I was—I mean, actually, I was asked this by a, a relatively small-ish company last week, uh, who were just in the early stages, saying, "How do you how do you keep this going?" Um, and for me, my answer back to them was, "Well, how do you how do you maintain anything that's difficult yeah. and takes yeah. a long time?" Uh, and and the, I remember when I damaged both my knees and had operations and had to go through rehab. That's that's a long process. How do you keep how do you keep that going? There were times when you think. Jesus is taking it. Am I getting anywhere? You know, how can I carry on? Bored, I'm fed up. I've had enough of this. But yeah, you look back and think, well, where have I come? But also, where am I going? Re- reaffirm why you're doing this. What's the point? Well, because I want to get back to running. I want to get back to sport. I don't want to end up not being able to walk properly. So you paint the picture of the future. Reaffirm it. Reaffirm that that's why it's worth the effort. And then look back to where you've where you've come from. It's very easy to, to, to lose sight of the progress that you've made over a period of time. Uh, yeah. I think tell yourself, look back, tell yourself good narratives of the past, tell yourself good narratives of the future, and make friends, clubs, communities. Having a brother, you know, brother, <laughs> the Hulk Hogan joke, uh, but having a community you actually go and talk to, just like us talking here, this reaffirms, you know, uh, building this community in turn, and externally, yeah. user groups are there for. The user groups are like little, not AA, but kind of like AA, if you to go, hey man, I'm an agile, this, this hard, I'm sorry. Don't, don't underestimate the power of, of Schadenfreude. Taking pleasure in another company's pain. You know, yeah. Going along to a user group, hearing how hard someone else is finding something. Yeah. Oh, actually, we've done that. Yeah. Yeah. We're better than you. At least in that aspect, we're better than you. Yeah. Or you're, you're suffering the same yeah. pain as us. Um, so build the community, community, community. You're not alone. Yeah. Uh, I think that can be really helpful to get through yeah. the experience. Because change even inside is it's difficult. Well, difficult thing to do. Can I say something controversial? Yes. Or you could leave. Yeah, change your organisation or change your organisation. Two people do that. It's getting better, but I think too many people, um, especially places like London, where the job market's very, or Dublin, where it's very vibrant, it's very easy to go and do the first year yeah. everywhere, yeah. rather than do the really sticky, gritty stuff on year five. You know. Yeah, but true, but I'm, I'm thinking more about people that have been in the same company for 15 years or whatever. Yeah and trying the same things and hearing the same stories and hearing the same cynics come yeah. back to them yeah. then that yeah. I mean we, we had a fair bit of that in, right, our, we, in our time yeah. and I mean, although I sweated over leaving BT for a long time as you two both know but as soon as I did it I thought to myself why didn't I do this before yeah. well that sends a big message to the to the people who are actually sponsoring and supposedly championing this transformation within the company, isn't it? If, if you're good agile people, if the people who've been there for a while that yeah. have the talent have the hemorrhaging them, yeah. start leaving, yeah. think, okay, well, hold on a minute, We're, I'm obviously not doing enough to support these guys. Yeah. Um, maybe maybe there's maybe there's a point before that, you know, maybe that's you actually play back your frustrations and say that, that I, I'm not getting enough out of this. Yeah. Something's got to but change. What, what I always think about as well is the people, the really good agile coaches that we know and we still know now, 
that have been you know battling a really tough transition in a really big company for a long time they break out of it and they realize that they can make do the same amount of effort they can have so much more impact in a, in a different company. It might not even be that much of a smaller company, but if they're just thinking about things yeah. differently, they've suddenly find that New energy. That, that energy, this, yeah. that even what they feel is the same amount of energy, yeah. actually has a much bigger impact. It's two things I always think of. The Kenyan runners, they train at altitude, yeah. build up the endurance, they survive on the ground, and Conan the Barbarian. At the start of Conan the Barbarian, Arnold Schwarzenegger, when he's not Arnold Schwarzenegger, gets captured and tied to like a wheel. They have to turn this wheel, I think it's like grinding um, uh, corn or something. He turns this wheel for like 10 years, and he builds all these massive muscles, and he's just like pushing, pushing this massive heavy weight. And when they take him off that thing, yeah. he is built like a Greek god, you know, <laughs> he can do anything, and that's what happens, and that's why some of them come out really, really effective, that's good for you them do, as a yeah. person, it's good for other companies, but it's not good for their parent company, and I think you're completely right, Jeff, you've got, they've got to invest a bit more in those internal champions, I don't just mean money, money's not enough, it's important, but it's not enough, there has to be some other support. Maybe there well. is a, you know, kind of, there's a sweet spot for an agile coach, a, ter- a term, a term of, yeah. um, of uh, employment, or whatever you want, president or something, for the, that a good agile coach should endure. Mm. But beyond that, you've got to look at: is it time to move on? And time yeah, to I think churn is useful for the company as well in terms yeah. of fresh eyes and fresh yeah. impetus. Yeah. So if they could, you know, swap yeah. someone who's who's done well but is fed up goes to another company, yeah. and someone who's done their term and fed up for that company comes here, they've exactly. got that same amount of energy yeah. and making a difference. You know, I, get, I get quite a few people, and again last week some guy said, you know, I'm going to say exactly the same things that you're saying, Jeff, but because you're from outside the company, it's going to have a bit of people listen to yeah. you. Yeah, yeah. Um, Never a problem. I know, I know that. some of the consulting advice, isn't it? Charge more, they'll listen to you more. You know, if you're more expensive, they would. You have to appreciate that it's easy for us to stand there and say, yeah, yeah, as three talk. external consultants, there's people that are in those companies yeah. that are. St- Struggling yeah. with the same people. I think of our old colleagues back in back in the day. They, and some they, of them are still there. Yeah, we would have struggled with the yeah, time. Yeah. Or, quite, um, or, or they would they would struggle to fight that that, that system. And one of the good companies that I work for, um, that had some really really good agile people. Not not necessarily coaches, but just good yeah. agile practitioners. Unfortunately, that company's gone bust. Yeah. But I know that those. 50 to 100 people are now in probably 20, 30 other companies yeah. doing good stuff. So, yeah. you know, for every cloud, there is a silver lining. So, you saw, especially at the start, when some of the first companies doing this imploded, and like, little puff of people came out into the market. Yeah, that's right. They improved agile generally for everyone. BT did it, yeah. Yahoo did it, yeah, yeah. Contango did it, you know, then dink, and you popped down to the. And those good agile coaches were generally snapped up pretty quick. I don't know yeah. what the market is like these days for good practitioners that are coming, to, coming out of a job or, or headhunted even. Yeah. But um, there seems to be, a, on LinkedIn, there seems to be a, a request every five minutes yeah. from, my, from recruitment agencies asking for my uh, profile details. Yeah. So There is hope. There is hope. Any more questions, sir? Uh, helping people change and overcoming resistance. Oh, it is, but I think, again, I don't think it's that different, different to the last question, really, in that why would anybody change? Hmm. Well, there's got to be something in it for them, yeah. or they feel they have to. 
So, are you either painting, helping them paint the picture of, a, of an alternate future, which is more pleasurable for them, uh, and then working out how to help them get there step by step? You do that with di dieting people do this all the time, don't they? They say, look, if you stay your weight, you're going to get a heart attack and die. But if you lose weight, you'll look like this Greek Adonis with the tail top, you know, often both of us. But it's the first point is actually getting on the scales, isn't it? It's actually, yeah. if people don't think there's a problem, then they they why, why should I change if there's no problem? Yeah. Bury the head in the sand. Yeah. And it, if, if you don't think it's possible, why bother? Yeah. yeah. So it's got to be achievable. Yeah. Uh, you've got to know that you've got some help along the way. But that painting that picture, and it can be, it can be, a, it can be a negative thing. It can be, all right, if you don't change, then this is going to happen. Yeah. It can be a positive thing. If you do, then this is, this is what could happen. But telling somebody that is very different to them realising it themselves. Yeah. Yeah. You want to expose them to evidence. I don't mean just give them numbers and metrics, but they can just see it happening in their world. Maybe not on their project even, but in their world, they're far more likely to go, okay, you know what? This is not some esoteric thing or some theoretical thing. This is something that Dave and Bob and Sam and Julie are all doing. Yeah. And they seem to be all right with it. You know, it's like, okay. That's, but that when back in the day, again, too many BT stories, but back in the day, I think that's how it spread around our little environment, wasn't it? So we were doing it and it looked good and we were like, oh, it's good. Well, I think we, we ended up... Well, we started off by trying to prove people wrong, didn't we? So the general response was, that'll never work here. So we said, yeah. well, we'll prove you wrong. Give us a chance, and we'll prove you wrong. And then, then we had other people say, "Okay, okay, now I can see why that's useful for them. I want some of that." Yeah, but I mean, literally back in the first team, oh, right. track, I mean, the real, real first step of the day. You know, we did it. What made Paul? I'm the Paul. Paul, what made you guys do it in your team? You were literally next door to us. I think it was coffee. I think it was literally Dennis. Hello, Dennis. If you're listening, I doubt he is. It'd be awesome if he was. But, then, but if Dennis saw it working in one place, he thought, well, why can't we do it here? We can get the same type of benefits here. And then he was completely sold. He, Dennis, from the top down, was, was sold that that was the way to do things. But he saw it, didn't he? So he saw it happen and went, oh, okay, yeah, it's yeah. cool. And he read the book and saw it yeah. and yeah, tried it out. Gene Tobegi used to say to me, ask, when he's thinking about doing something, ask yourself two questions. He said, why, why would I do that? Yeah. Why would I do that? Yeah. So what, what's the point? Yeah. And second is, well, why wouldn't I do that? Yeah. Well, why, what's, why is this a no-brainer? Yeah. Uh, and if you can answer that about yourself, but you can also help other people answer those two questions, it helps frame a purpose for it. It frame, yeah. frames the goal to be yeah. solved. And yeah. So constantly asking that, you know, why? Why? Yeah. Why and why not? I think it's a, it's a huge one. But that's the biggest area of uncertainty for some people, I think, you know, well, why are we doing this? You know, why? There's an organisational why, but there's yeah. also a personal why, isn't there? Yeah. So the company may be doing this because it's more yeah. money or more responsive, yeah. or better clients or whatever, but why Why do I care about that? Maybe yeah. I'm not that in touch with the company, bottom line, and I don't yeah. care about the share yeah. value or whatever. It's why, sh why should I do this? What's, what's in it for me? Well, do I enjoy yeah. my work more? Do I get involved in more challenging projects? Do I get to use my skills more? Do I get to develop myself more? Yeah. Do I get to actually work with people rather than be told what to do? What, what's in it for me? Yeah. And helping ask that question, helping ask the team ask that question. Yeah. I think it's fair that anyone in the scrum team or whatever could have different reasons for wanting to do it. Could it, could, could, like you say, for yeah. different, not agendas is the wrong word, but different um, inspirations in terms of what they want to get out of it. Mm. The F word I think is the big problem. Feelings. No, fear. Fear. <laughs> fear is the number one reason why people, and so I had someone on my uh, course a while ago who said, this is right towards the end, so we've done ages and ages of self-organising teams, you know, people, are, people are good, people can manage themselves, they don't have to be micromanaged. They said, yeah, but at some point, 
you get some teams, don't you? You just think you just got to tell them what to do. And I said, no, <laughs> no, I wouldn't. And then you got to think, well, what, why? What's what's stopping that team from giving you the impression that they're trustworthy? They said, well, they just don't do it. They just don't. Stay. You give them the chance to step up, and they don't. So, okay, well, why do you think that? Is? She for a minute that it's natural. What's stopping them? What's what's not making this a no-brainer for them? If I step stand up and say, well, this is what I think we should do. It's the fear of what happens if I'm wrong. That's that's the number one thing. And so how can you remove that fear? And then, then you've got past that gap. Yeah. yeah. I just look very thoughtful there. I am, it's just fear to be conversation. It's um, fear of what, fear of how. But I think there are some I, I think there are some people who are not necessarily great people to work with. Yeah. But I think the answer is not managing them more, it's managing them out. Okay. Yeah. Um, I think uh, that's a big conversation again, but I do think there's like, um, you know, yeah. we all met sociopaths, it's, you know, it's like, so it's... Um, it's interesting when you ask what, yeah. what people are afraid of, yeah. in real terms, there's very little, very little consequences to doing something wrong. I mean, you know, unless, I, think, I suppose it depends on the context, so I could take that into consideration, but people, their personal fear is very unlikely, I think, to allow, they don't lose their job over something like that. I it's think a lot of their fears are unfounded. Yeah, there is, there is. It's uh, it's highlighted because of the culture that some of these people are in. But there's also some deeper psychological things in there as well, which nothing to do with the company. But even if you say there's not many consequences, people just don't like to be told off. No, they don't want to be wrong. They just want to be wrong to tell someone to say that's bad. They just don't like it. Bad dog. You know, even if nobody saw me make a mistake, yeah. I would know that I made a mistake. Mm. Uh, so if I can avoid that, yeah. I will. And sometimes it's assume the mistakes are. A bad, yeah. have yeah. bad results. Yeah, yeah, naughty. Yeah. Well, I've seen it happen. I've seen, I've seen people like children, like will knock a drink off a table, and the parent tells them off. Yeah. And the child's like small, and their arm just swings to a yeah. small child. Yeah. The parent shouts, and you think, oh, does that really help? You know, you 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 were upset. You you know you you paid for that drink or something that's been knocked off. But child, really, something you're going to help them learn. It's not going to help them understand. It's just you venting your frustrations. It's not a violence, man. And. Um, I don't know if that's if you're but if you're scared of not to drink off the table because your mother or father will shout at you. Is that a, a line that, thread running that, all the way to in your forties when you're married? But there, you think back to the when we were I know it's a BT story again, but there were people in the in the company that um, if you were on a project you didn't want to be in the in the bad books of that people yeah. those people on those projects. Yeah. yeah. I think a certain people you just didn't and that was mainly that is a fear thing. You don't you don't want to be you know, drawn over the coals by that person yeah, for something yeah, you've done yeah, wrong. Yeah. And you don't, and there are certain people that don't want to share the glory, right? No, exactly. People yeah. that want the, the personal glory yeah. to themselves. Rather than for the, for the rest of the people that work there. Well, I just remember as a developer, I didn't mind sharing the glory. I, don't get glory. I just don't want to get shouted at by someone yeah. or feeling threatened by someone. I found that very um, intimidating. Mm. But I think that's, that's another, it's a different type of fear, isn't it? That if, I, if, if we go into a team environment, then other people, I might not be as noticed for my own individual strengths yeah. and that might hinder my career or it might not make people think, people think enough of me, it might deteriorate my work or whatever. Or looking at it the other way, I could put, if I'm in a team I can coast, I can get through without, you know. Well it's keep, a management fear isn't it? Keep, keep you know, my head just, yeah. just underneath the radar and just kind of, but again it's that thing, do I feel more accountable to my peers than I do to my manager? So if, I can, if I'm lying to you guys on a daily basis that I'm saying something I'm doing I'm not, that that means more to me than, than my boss. Yeah. But it depends what our motivations are and what, what affects us personally. Yeah. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. And I think the most effective scrum masters that I've seen 
build up that sense of inter-team responsibility. Yeah. I don't, I, don't, I don't care if you fail. That's that lovely story. I can't remember where I heard it. I think it was um, Andy McCann. Did you, Andy McCann did a, did a talk for us in the Basque Music Group last year sometime. This is a, and he talked about as a, a study of a, a, a count, local council in South Wales that had a real problem with uh, people finding a, a real high yeah. sick rate to their, to their bin men, basically. They just didn't want to come in to work. Um, and they tried a few experiments to try and up that rate of, um, of attendance. And they did some, all they did was they changed the phone number that you had to ring in on when you were sick. So they changed it from the local, the county hall yeah. to the local depot. So the number that you called up and spoke to was one of your fellow bin men, and you had to tell them that you weren't coming in. And they noticed that, yeah, yeah, the the, the number of people come back into work grew yeah. substantially because people yeah. felt they were letting their team down rather yeah. than letting their yeah. boss down. There's that sense of guilt and yes. shame. I think yeah. is something that's often frowned upon. But you, you shouldn't feel guilt. You shouldn't feel shame. Like those are bad feelings to have. But actually, when you're looking at responsibility, when you're looking at teamwork and partnerships and collaboration, it's it's there. It should be there. Right? If, I, if, I, if, I, if I if I do something that, that negatively impacts on, on my teammate, and there's something I could have done about it, I should feel bad about. But it. I think a lot of people look at Scrum and don't look at team. Yeah. They they view Scrum as a, as a as a mechanism for their own work cycle. I have tasks, I take tasks, and to an extent, Kanban might have got leads to this as well, that I have my task, I take my task, I move it. I'm, I'm, I'm okay. I don't know, I'm not accountable to anyone else. I look after my stuff, and my stuff gets done, I get my bonus, I'm happy. Yeah. Well, I think, um, to lead it all back to the start, it comes back to, um, firstly, peer pressure, for me, is internal and external. It's you feel the peer pressure. People aren't actually applying yeah. to you. You think, what will my friends, my colleagues True. think? Yeah. Um, the second one is about Scrum. Coming all the way back to framework or methodology thing, is that too many people see the picture of the framework and think that's Scrum. Yeah. And it's quite, for me, perhaps one of the, the scientific method parts may be less important than the other stuff we've been talking about. Yeah. You know, the idea of self-organizing, the power, yeah, the human, small team, the human side, yeah. business closely connected, someone supporting the experience and nurturing and guarding the experience. I think that's possibly the more important side of it than the actual mechanics. But that's the stuff that makes it, that's the hard stuff. Yeah. The easy stuff is the mechanics. Yeah. The easy so. stuff to process, learn, yeah. to follow is the yeah. mechanics. Yeah. yeah, exactly. It's the first step you can take, um, but the hardest. I yeah. think it's a nice way to wrap up. I think it's a nice reincorporation there, nice. I see what you've done there. Put nice. it back in, I put it back in. I put it, took it out. We'll close put the loop. Close the loop. The story arc yeah. there. Alright, well. I've got an interglass, so we'll chink it anyway. Cheers, chaps. See you again soon. See you again soon. Bye bye.